So I'm, I'm not feeling too well. <clears throat> but how can I not feel good when we open up the Word, yeah? Oh, it's so good. Today, we got a sermon going on. I can't wait. If you, are, if you guys want to get prepared, someone came up to me. They said, uh, Nick, you jump around so much. Can you just let us know where you're going to go? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. So to let you know so as to help your life, we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 8. I know I'm crazy. Luke chapter 8. That's what we're focused on today. Here to help you out. Please take some notes. Get a pen, get some notes. I just believe that this is going to change our life. I believe that every time we open up the word, it changes our life, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So here we go. We're in a new series called The Good Soil. Oh my goodness. Hey. And uh, I love our creative team because that top right, that little insignia says Johnstone Farms. Judd and Yvette don't have a farm, but one day they will. I don't know why I thought of putting that on there, but I thought it was, you know, it was fun, you know? Maybe it's prophetic. Who knows? The good soil. The good soil. Uh, I'm not a farmer. Is anyone in the house? Is anyone a farmer? Hey, yeah, we got one. Yes. Dr. T, I love you. Um, so my knowledge of farming is zero. Zero. I'm not a farmer. That's not my flow. Cleaning up after things, moving heavy things around. I'm, I'm all right. I'll sign up for something different. Yeah. I read, I read the Bible. Yeah, you know. So the good soil. But the beautiful thing is, is that uh, whenever you read, and the whole point of this series is that God reveals great mysteries. A great God reveals mysteries to mankind. I love that. You know, God is so incredible, so big. And so powerful, does he have to talk to you? Does he have to communicate with you? Does he have to let you in on who he really is? And I was just overwhelmed thinking about this series, about the fact that he gave us this and actually walks with us, actually is willing to have heaven meet earth. I'm blown away. I don't know if you guys are blown away by that, but if you think about it for a second, that God would be willing to talk to each and every person in this room is unfathomable. That God would be willing to talk with a mess of a person like me, 13 years old, addictions and all, that he'd be willing to meet me in some little youth room called Energy, N-R-G. That was our youth group name. <laughs> and he'd be willing to meet a broken soul like me? What? I'm not important at all. That's how big this is. He's willing to reveal his mysteries to you and to me. To not leave us in the dark for eternity, but to actually give us hope. Am I the only overwhelmed person in the room today? And so he reveals his mysteries to mankind. And, and here's the thing that, that we're, we're talking about good soil is we're going to go over some of the parables that Jesus speaks in uh, or, or speaks with us, uh, specifically the parables that have to do with farming. Yeah. 
And so we're going to learn. We're going to learn what he means when he talks about some of these things and how it communicates to you and to me. But the beautiful thing is God reveals great mysteries to mankind. Look at this. It says this in Jeremiah 33. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. What do you know about the creator? Oh my goodness. Not much. And if he didn't have this, if he didn't give us this, we'd be aimless. If he didn't give us this, we'd be lost forever. And so all we simply do is call and he will answer and he will show us things, unknown things. He will give us wisdom, fresh revelation. And I want all of that. Anyone else with me? I want all of it. I want all of it. And the beautiful thing is, is that Christ desires to speak to you, to each of us personally. So not just a general revelation. But he's able to walk with you day in and day out, speak with you, guide you, show you the truth, show you the way. Look at what it says in Isaiah 30, prophesying about what is yet to come. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, now walk in it. So not only is God just the God of the universe and he's not just this being who's just like, oh, I'm kind of cool with earth. No, he gets to know you personally, close enough that he's behind you whispering which way to go. I'm blown away. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it like that song says. But he's here. He's here. And so if you're a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, we need this, yeah? We need this. We need this. And the beautiful thing is, is that this isn't some archaic book that has just a bunch of rules that might be kind of good to read every once in a while. No, this book is alive. It still speaks to you and me today. This book is the foundation of everything that we are. His word, it still speaks to you and me today. We talked about last series, we talked about this. Are you allowing your worldview to trump your Bible view? Or are you allowing your biblical view to trump your worldview? And we allow our worldview to trump our Bible view, oh my goodness, if we don't believe that this has power. But if you know that this has power, and if you know that God is in this, this is what leads your life above all else. Amen? His word still speaks to us today. Look at what Jesus so, so simply says to you and to me. Luke chapter 11, he puts it like this. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and follow it. So it's one thing to just have this in your possession, but you have to engage with it. You have to read it. You have to listen to it. You have to do it. Amen? And you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. So if you're a believer here today, and even if you're not, <laughs> and you need a Bible, we'll get you one at the, at the cafe. Because we're going to be jumping in to some of what the Bible says and finding fresh revelation about our life. And ultimately, the bottom line for this whole series is this. When the Word resides in our hearts, we grow in heavenly ways. So this is, the, this, is the, this is the parable of the good soil, okay? Luke chapter 8 puts it like this. You can put this on the screen. Still, other seed fell on good soil. And we're going to jump to this shortly. Other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. There's the farmer. 
God who sows seed. What is the seed? Does anyone know, church? The Word. He sows the seed, the Word. And if it falls on good soil, someone say good soil. And I say, I don't know much about farming, but I can kind of understand that. That there's maybe some prep work. Maybe we need to plant in the right area, prepare the field. That there is good soil that when a seed is planted, it does grow. It comes up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. I want to be good soil. Amen, church? My heart, I want my heart to be good soil. I want my heart to be good soil. So the farmer, he sows his seed. The seed is the word of God. And I have a question for you to consider today. And what you know about the word of God itself. Can I ask you a question, church? Y'all awake this morning? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Okay. Do you know, do we know how powerful the word is? Do you know? I think, I think some of us here would say, yeah, it's, it's powerful. How is it powerful? What does it do? changes your perspective. Interesting. Some people might say it gives guidance. Good. It teaches us. Yeah. It satisfies us. Interesting answer. I like it. Gives life. Yeah. Good. Good. So let me touch on something that I think that I found in this past week of preparation that blew my mind. But let me put this up here. There's maybe some things that you might think about the word that are absolutely true. But I think there's something powerful about the word that we don't understand or we don't fully grasp. Let me put this into perspective. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Someone say good work. I love that. So some of us may look at the word and say, yeah, it equips me for all that I'm called to do. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's one thing the word does. Yeah. It trains you in righteousness. It teaches you. It corrects you. I love that. What about this? Anyone ever heard of this one? Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Anyone ever hear that? Yeah. I love that. I love this one. And a light to my path. We view the word as a guide, and that's absolutely what it is. It tells you where to go, left or right. It tells you how to see through things. It teaches you discernment, right? So that we don't walk in wicked ways. We walk in the upright ways. So it gives us guidance. I love that. That's powerful. It guides you each and every day of your life. So it trains you. It equips you for everything that you're called to do. It guides you. It shows you the way. I love that. And then Joe touched on this. Matthew chapter 4. I love this. Go ahead. Jesus says, it's written. This is whenever Jesus is confronted by, by the devil in the desert. And he answers. Doesn't dialogue. He just gives him the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So it gives us satisfaction it makes us full yeah that's pretty powerful it fills us 
And so there's so many, there's so many scriptures and there's so many things to be said about what the word really does for you and for me. But I think that there's something really, really basic here that we're going to learn from this parable that's going to change. Uh, maybe it's going to change the fervency or the way that you look at the word and how much you need it in your life. So here's my question. What role does the word play in our salvation? What role does the word play in our salvation? Do you need the word? You say not at first. This is an, see, this is where I'm telling you, this is an interesting topic because some of us might say, well, I don't know if I need to understand the word fully in order to believe. And I get you, I get you. Faith comes by hearing. Uh, Marcus, you're reading my notes, bro. Come on. I love that. This is interesting. This is an interesting topic. What if I were to tell you that the word is salvation? The word is what saves. And if the word is what saves, have you been jumping into it enough? Are you relying on it as if it does save? Mm -mm -mm. If the word is what saves, how would you read it? If the word is what saves, how would you engage with it? And so this is where, go ahead, you can get your books out. Now we're in Luke chapter 8. We're going to be jumping through the parable a little bit. The parable of the good soil. Jesus, he shares a parable to help us understand the power of the word of God in our life. And I'm so excited to really discover how valuable this word really is. Because in, in my opinion, it's everything. It is my salvation. And I'm going to give you some proof as to how powerful this word really is. It starts in, in verse 1. Oh no, I think we skipped ahead a little bit. Yep, while a large crowd, this is in verse 4. Excuse me, I just croaked a little. Verse 4. Give me some grace. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. So he's speaking to people. Why did Jesus talk in parables? Because he's speaking to people and, and communicating with them in a way that they would understand. So he's talking to ordinary. This is the other beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't just spend his time with the perfect, awesome religious people. No, he talks to average, ordinary human beings like me and you. And he talks in a way that they can understand. So he talks to them often about farming, about agriculture things that they deal with each and every day. And so here's this parable that comes about a good soil. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed, or as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Someone say the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Bummer. Bummer. Go ahead. Some fell on rocky ground. Someone say rocky ground. Say it with some authority. Rocky ground. Thank you. We're not weak here. We talked about this. Fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Bummer. Other seed fell among thorns. Someone say thorns. Which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed. Someone say it with me. Fell on good soil. 
good soil. Some some seed fell on good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. I'll say it again. They, they might not have been fully able to grasp what he was communicating, but Jesus was speaking in a way that related to those around him. I love this. Hey, all you farmers, all you people who deal with this each and every day, let me give you a picture of what the kingdom is like. There's a farmer who sows seed. There's some that falls along the path, some that falls on rocky ground, some that falls in thorns, and it's choked out. And then there's the good soil. And everyone's like, oh, the good soil. Oh, I like the good soil. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Jesus. And then he says this statement. And I love this. I love this. Because not everyone sitting there was able to grasp what he was communicating. Some mysteries of God, oh my goodness, some mysteries of God just aren't ready to be revealed to us at specific times. Did you know that? Sometimes we're just not ready yet. And that's the beautiful thing about faith is that it is a journey in which we're constantly growing and discovering and God is revealing more and more, giving us fresh revelation and wisdom. I love that. If he just dumped everything on us in one second, we'd be in like overload. It's through the journey that we discover more and more of him. And so there's people, just casual listeners who who might not be gathering, might not be picking up what he's putting down. And so when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. You ever walk into church, just not a good day, been a terrible week. Maybe you go into small group, you had a crazy work day. And then not only that, but the work day ended up with that one last customer who's a terrible call on the phone and they yelled at you, and it's not your fault. And then you go into circles, and you're like, I don't want to be here. Like, this hits us all the time, where you can put yourself in proximity and yet not hear what's being said. You can put yourself in proximity, but not hear what's being said. This is why I I tell us all the time, like, you got to tune in right now. God's going to exceed your expectations. You got to literally get your ears ready to hear what's going on. Because this isn't like, and I know I'm I'm the preacher guy with the microphone, and you can think it's my thoughts, but I do a word count. I, I, how do I say this? I, I, I look at what I say and communicate. I give you like 80% scripture. I want you to hear the word. So don't tune out right now. And Jesus had the same, he was talking to people in the same way. Hey, you're here, you're in the vicinity, you're able to hear my voice, but you really need to hear right now what's going on. Because this is going to be vital. He who has ears, let them hear. And his disciples then asked him, and this never really happens. This is really one of the only parables in which Jesus actually explains what the parable means. It's like, thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Just tell us what it means all the time. And so his disciples asked, what does this parable mean? He said, he said, and this is where, this is where it's going to get juicy. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see, and though hearing, they may not understand. Now let me give some clarity as to what he's saying right here. Can I tell you, this is a really hard truth. 
Jesus chose his disciples, came up and presented them, hey, come and follow me. And can I tell you that there are some people in this world that may never understand the word of truth. Some people, no matter how much we present it, no matter how many times they're around this, you can put this up here. Some people may never understand the word of truth. Sometimes they just don't want to hear it. Sometimes they just don't want to be around it. Sometimes people will full-fledged just reject it. Get that away from me. No matter how kind, no matter how loving you are at work, no matter how patient you are with your relatives, no matter what you do, some people just may never understand. They may never hear it. They may never hear it. Now that doesn't stop us from doing everything possible. Amen? That doesn't stop me from doing anything and everything possible to reach as many souls. Yeah? But there are just some people who may never hear it. And that's what Jesus was acknowledging here. I speak in this way, and you guys are going to get this, but some people may never. And so then, let me tell you, let me tell you so that you get this. This is, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Someone say amen. Yes. I'm obsessed with his word. That was our, that was our year one. I'm obsessed with his word. Who in the house does core code? Does anyone do core code in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're obsessed with the word. Learning how to read his word. The seed is the word of God and those along the path. So now he's going to break down each and every person based off of what type of soil was described earlier. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil. Someone's like, oh, the devil. Oh my goodness. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Do you want to see, do you want to see the power of the word? He takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Are y'all catching the importance of the word here? If the devil oh, is so... He is passionate about drawing worshipers to himself to steal, kill, and destroy. He is, he is a wicked, wicked being. And he knows that if the word lands in you, that you would then believe in Christ and then you would be saved. So Lisa, to answer this, I think that the word is absolutely necessary. I do. The word is what saves. That's essentially what's being indicated here. The devil will do anything to prevent the word from taking root in you. He knows that the word leads to salvation. If the word hits in you, you will then believe and then you will be saved. That's how powerful the word is. It saves. You ever... um. See, this is where I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some of my experience. Have you ever uh, opened up the book? Maybe you set, up, uh, set aside like five minutes of your day. You do it in the morning, maybe in the evening when you're about to go to bed. And have you ever just started reading the Bible and then all of today's distractions just start racing through your head? Then you get all these phone calls. Then you get all upset. And then you close the thing and you don't read. You think that's an accident? 
You think it's an accident that when you come to church, all these, all the distractions be brought up? That you're, what is the day that most kids have a problem waking up in the morning? Sunday. Because you know, in your mind as a family, if this little girl ain't ready, we ain't going to church. Don't lie, we've done it. Bathroom floods. Literally 20 minutes before I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> mm. wants to do anything possible to stop you from hearing and receiving the word of God, knowing that it's going to lead to salvation. That's how powerful the word of God is. He knows that it leads to salvation, so he'll do anything, throw any distraction, throw off any plans to try to get you to take your ears and your eyes off of the word so that you may not receive it. And in fact, and then, oh my goodness, oh, 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 this might be a really, oh, I can't wait to, like, sometimes as a pastor, I love coming at y'all. Is that okay? I love it. Sometimes uh, Nick Miller will be up here saying uh, a really boisterous statement, and I'll make like a, you can never blah, 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 and then in your mind, you start racing off, yeah, I can, and you start coming up with counter arguments to what I'm saying. Has anyone ever done that? Serious. You start thinking of ways to debunk what I'm saying. And that's okay. But sometimes, sometimes these little distractions, they race through our head. And then the sermon goes on and we're still trying to debunk and debunk and debunk. And we miss this sermon about the good soil. Because we allowed our mind to get sidetracked. And literally, what words were being spoken throughout the day, we let them be swept away. Not even that. How about this? Nick Miller, and again, I know I'm a big personality, blah, 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 blah. Let's say I offended you. It happens. I offended you. Maybe on your birthday I didn't give you a call. I'm sorry. Maybe I forgot to text you after a small group and remind you of X, Y, and Z things. I'm sorry. And then... You sit in the church and uh, the word is being spoken, but you're steaming and brewing on the defense that happened on Tuesday. And you feel like you missed all of a Sunday morning. Are y'all tracking with me? All of these things come in. The enemy loves to steam. Steal the word from being received. He'll do anything that while the word is being spoken, he'll give you any sort of distraction. He'll try doing anything he can because he knows that if you receive this, it will change everything about you. Amen? Let me show you that the word really does save. As Marcus said, Romans chapter 10 puts it like this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's quoting scripture here, by the way. Paul. Right into the Romans. He's quoting scripture. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? Ah, so belief. Interesting. We did a little bit of a conversation about what belief really is. And uh, I did this conversation about, about gravity. Does everyone believe in gravity in this place? It's not a trick question. Everyone believe in gravity? Okay. <laughs> we'll have a different conversation after if you didn't. Okay. So gravity is a real thing, right? You know gravity is real. Why? Because you experienced it. And now, through study, 
Thank you for all of these philosophers and awesome people who did all of these scientific tests. Now we can measure it. We can understand and know it. 9.8 meters per second squared. You throw it up, it comes right back down. So we experience it and we know it. And what I would say that belief really is, belief requires two things, to experience and to know. And how can you believe, how can you believe, or how can they, uh, how can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they believe without this word being spoken to them? How can they believe without the truth being presented to them? How can they believe without the gospel and all the good news being spoken to them? How can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? Hey. And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? I love that. Just so you know, you are sent to the ends of the earth, to all nations, to be a witness. Amen, church? You're sent. But this is really, this is really important. They need to hear the word. Can I ask you a question? Uh, how do I ask this question without it being weird? I'm just going to ask it. So what? I'm weird. Uh, doctrine needs to be true. There are some things called dogma. Someone say dogma. Dogma. That means the, the irrefutable facts that you and I need to believe in in order to be Christ followers. In other words, if I was up here... <laughs> And Nick Miller said that Jesus was a dog. What if I said that? I'm making it very extreme. And if I told you and I taught you that Jesus was a dog, would you say that you were able to believe? Why? Why would you say no? You would say no because you haven't been taught the truth. This is why it needs the Bible because we can talk about experience. We can talk about ideas, but the Bible is truth. Amen, church? And so we need to, yes, testify. Yes, we need to share our experiences, but we need to teach people the truth because how will they believe if they do not know the truth? And so you can sit here and you can share your experience. I ran into Jesus and he changed everything about me. But you need to give some gospel content. But while I was still a sinner, he loved me and gave up his son as a sacrifice for me. And in order to believe, all I have to simply do is confess and profess and believe that he died and rose again for me. And as Romans 10.9 says, I will be saved. You have to preach the truth. Because remember, belief is experience and knowledge. And if I teach you the wrong knowledge, do you believe? Do you get my point, church? So this is vital, necessary. This is salvation, church. This is salvation. Look at further scriptures. John 8 says it like this. This is Jesus talking. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth. Someone say truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. You'll know the truth. Not some cool experience. Not some awesome Nick Miller argument. No, when you know the truth, it is what sets you free. Amen? If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will then know the truth and it will set you free. Satan wants to rob every bit of your moment with this word, every bit of engagement. He knows that it will set you free. He can't have that. So he tries to steal it all the time. 
Can I give you further evidence that the Bible actually is salvation? John 1 puts it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But 14 verses later, the Word, someone say the Word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Church, who is John talking about? Jesus. This and Jesus are synonymous. The Word is Him. He is the Word. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that. The Word is salvation, church, and the Word is Jesus. That's why the devil will do anything when the, when the seed is being sown and it falls along. The, he will do anything to steal it and to snatch it up. He'll do anything to stop you from coming to church on a Sunday. He'll do anything to rob you of focus when you actually open this up for the first time in three years. He'll do anything while you're in the, uh, in the midst of a devotional plan. He'll do anything to knock you off course. He hates it when you read the word because he knows you will then believe and you will then be saved. The devil hates it when you read the word. The devil hates that you showed up here on a Sunday morning so that you could hear the truth about this. Y'all catching me? The word is, it is a guide. It is a teaching tool. It definitely satisfies. It is salvation. It heals. It saves. It restores that's how powerful it is. So again, I ask, if the word is salvation, how will you read it this week? How will you engage with it this week? Amen? Let's talk about the second the second planting, it was on the rocky ground. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear this. I love it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, someone say testing, they fall away. Mm -mm -mm. Can I give you guys something to cheer about? Each and every believer will go through trials. Yeah. No, serious. I want you to know that when you follow Jesus, you are signing up for one of the most rigorous, one of the most challenging courses for your life. Has anyone, has anyone as a believer, have you ever said, oh, it would be so easy to not be a believer right now. Please, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let this person really know what's on my mind. How many times I have to take the high road when everyone goes at me? Oh, how frustrating. And let's say it this way. Yeah, I'm a preacher and I'm not afraid to say it. Sometimes I just love my sin and it would be nice to just enjoy my sin life. I know I'm not the only one. And so we'll go through trials and it is hard this journey is really difficult. 
At times it would be so much easier to not believe in this. But I promise you that through doing what this word says, it will only produce life in you. But here's the thing. They, these trials are part of the maturing process for the believer. And so you cannot quit. You cannot turn away. And in fact, when the trials come, you have to go 100% harder. Teresa, I know you had a hard week. You go for it 100% now. You go 100%. It's part of the maturing process. It's what actually grows and strengthens you. You don't go to the gym and lift five pound weights and say, yeah. No, you grow. You push yourself. You, it actually hurts, but it makes you stronger. And if we want to get to the end of our days and if we want to run the race and fight the fight, if you're with me on that, then you better believe you're going to go through trials and you have a choice right now. You can resist it or you can embrace it with joy. But I have to talk about these and I'm going to get to my point after this because you know what? I have some, I have some qualms with the church. But before I get there, let me tell you this. Go ahead. This is in John chapter 16. If you don't believe that trials are, are part of the kingdom, I have bad news. Jesus promised you trials. And if he says it, you know it. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will. That's a promise. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So there will be trials. Money will get tight. There will be relationship problems. Jobs won't always be easy. Kids will give you a run for your money. There will be moments in your marriage where it's not all sunshine and rainbow. There will be trials. There will be loss, loss of a loved one. There will be trials. But you can have peace. Did you know that? You can have joy in it. Look at what James chapter 1 says. And this chapter totally talks about the trials that you and I as believers face. Consider it pure joy. Yeah. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, so that when you're under test, and whenever you, you are on trial, just so you know, you constantly win. It might not feel like the win you envision, but you always win. Do you know that you are always victorious? It might not look like the victory that you imagined for your life. But his ways are higher and he knows better. But it will produce perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, lacking nothing. And so when you understand about the trials, when you understand that it produces maturity in you, and it equips you for the whole race. You're like, bring it on. My dad, he's an awesome man, but he's a weirdo. Do you know? He's like, bring on the suffering. Dad, don't. We got enough problems. Don't need you every day praying in the morning at 8, 12 in the morning. Bring it on. Bring on the suffering and perseverance. Amen. But he's on to something. Consider it joy. It's one of the greatest things that grows you that equips you for the whole race to get to the very end. Look at this, that 
towards the end of that chapter, James chapter one. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Don't give up. The crown of life is at the end. It feels like hell right now, but there's a crown at the very end. Amen, church? So can I address the church for a second? The church needs to present the whole counsel of the word to prepare and strengthen the saints. This is why I have to talk to you about challenge and trial because it's not a fun... uh, This topic... This topic doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it's not easy to hear. It's not the most attractive thing. It's not the most exciting. Let's tweet about it. You don't see a lot of Instagram videos from famous pastors tweeting about trial. It's hard. It's an ugly topic. And so the reason why I'm talking to you about this is that today I need to prepare you because I don't want each, I don't want any person in this community to be the one that the seed fell on rock. You get excited. You receive the word with joy. It's going well. And then all of a sudden one trial comes up and you never show up to church ever again. That's a problem. But I'll also say that the community of believers, especially the pastors, we need to start talking about these things because you will deal with it and you need to stand firm and you need to get through it. But if I'm up here saying life's good and full of awesomeness all the time, and then like the storm comes, you know what that, yeah, you know what that preaching actually does? It actually, it actually sets up the believer to be uh, disappointed and severely upset at God when it, the promise doesn't come through. So if I don't tell you that there's a promise of trouble, when it does come, you're just like, I thought God is X, Y, and Z. I'm out. So we got to talk about this. There will be trial. There will be hardships, but you're going to make it through it. Amen? The Spirit of God is within you. You're going to make it through it. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. Lead you. He's going to teach you. He's going to fill you up. He's going to give you peace and joy through every part of it. But we do not give up, church, when there's a little bit of trial. So here's my, here's my challenge to you in church. The church can't save you. It can certainly keep you. And so my, my encouragement to you is that no matter what season is going on, no matter what type of things are going on, I don't even care if the Steelers are playing in about 12 minutes, get to church. Start there. Be in the community as much as possible. I know we have something going on every night of the week. Be in the community as much as possible. and Watch what starts happening when those trials do come. Watch how equipped you really are. But do not waver, church. We're not on rocky ground. We're good soil. Amen? The storms will come. The winds will blow. We stand firm. Stay go. <laughs> then the, the third group. Oh my goodness, this is a word too. This whole parable is so good. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasure, and they do not mature. 
Oh boy. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The world wants you to wear uh, worry, anxiety, and stress as a badge of honor. Oh, you're worried. Yeah, you have every right to be worried. Oh my gosh. Oh, you're anxious. Yeah, you definitely are anxious. Life hits you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're stressed. Me too. Yay. Let's throw a party. We actually awkwardly celebrate worry. And, and why do we do so? Because it, um, well, as it says there, it, 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 it stops us from maturing. And so when we worry, we, we don't have to, we can kind of play victim in a case. And now, let me give you some clarity though. There are definitely some struggles. There are definitely some areas of trials that do need help and do need assistance. And there are very real things that happen in yours and my life. But I know that when you walk with Jesus, as scary as it may be, and all the trials that may come, that you do not have to worry. You do not have to fear. You do not have to walk around anxious each and every day of your life. That is a badge of honor that the world loves to give that Jesus totally triumphs over. Am I speaking to anyone here? And here's why I got to tell you, that worry, the riches, the pleasures, you got to get that out because it chokes the word planted in you. Some of you, oh my goodness, I'm about to, I'm about to preach. Some of us sit here and we wonder why we're not getting anywhere. Nick, I'm at every freaking circles. I'm at every event you have for us. I'm here every Sunday. And why aren't things changing? Because you're allowing habits that wage war in your head stop your maturity process. Worry literally chokes the word in you. And so you can hear it as much as you want, but you won't grow at all. You can listen to all the Stephen Furtick podcasts you want and be super hyped spiritually, but it won't mature you at all. That worry, those pleasures, they need to get out of your life. It chokes you. This is why believers sit in, in these rows for years and years and nothing changes. Sorry if I'm being too direct. And, I, I, and I'm a preacher and it might seem like I'm like, I'm not perfect. And of course, I have worries too. But can I tell you from my experience, I give worries in my head this much space. None. And I get like, ah, kick it out. I really do that. I definitely have a vision for my life. I definitely am very ambitious, but I have kind of a, a um, I've learned not to be worried about how things will shape out. We got to cut the worry stuff out. It will choke you. Those pleasures. Let me tell you something. I've, I've delved into pleasures. I have. And it chokes you. I've been in seasons where I'm hearing the word each and every day. I've been on staff at church in relationships in which I am certainly not living right. And I can tell you for those months, the word goes in one ear and out the other and there's zero maturity. So 
sorry if it's too real. But you might be in this same situation. You're sitting here going through months and months and months. Why isn't anything changing? Well, maybe the pleasures that you're going to, maybe the, the bottle being empty each and every day, maybe that's choking you. That screen with explicit images and videos, it's choking you. And honestly, like, um, the first one, the devil tries to do his thing, so it's not really on you, but we got to stand firm on it. The second one, the trial comes, and we get beat up pretty hard. This one is on us. This is us just playing around with worry and pleasures over and over. And it chokes every bit of maturity. So I don't want to wear worry like a badge of honor anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. Y'all with me? It's really hard to say that though. Because worry eventually becomes our crutch by which we stand. Look at what Jesus says about worrying. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? It does nothing for you. You might think it's helping you. You might think, some of us, when we worry, we become better planners and strategizers. Strategizers, It's not helping you in any way, shape, or form. This worry is not adding to your life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? You know, Jesus is here. He's given a parable about how uh, the lilies are dressed and the sparrows don't even sow, yet they have food, right? If you, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? He's the one who takes care of it all. You cannot add a single hour to your life by worrying. The second one, 1 Peter, this is about anxiety. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Submit to him. Submit to him. That, and then he will lift you up in due time. Part of that submit to him is cast all your anxiety on him. Get rid of all of it. Those of us who have been struggling with anxiety, I'm actually here telling you the actual truth today that you can have no anxiety. Seriously. You can give all of that anxiety to Jesus. All of it. And then lastly, fear. Fear's another one. We embrace it. Fear, well, you know, I'm just afraid. I don't want to do X, Y, and Z things. I don't want to start that new business that God's put on my heart because there's fear. No, just so you know, when you walk with Jesus, who really is perfect love, that love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing to do or has, fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Whoa. Fear and this love do not coexist at all. So if you're fearful, you got to go to the source of love and get that out. That's enough choking yourself. Choking the word. Worries, riches, pleasures, fear, worry, anxiety are not to be in the heart of those who believe. I know we wrestle with it. I know that we have these moments. I do too. I'm not perfect at it. But as much as I can, it's out. You know how scary it was to start this whole thing? 
we don't have money, we don't have much direction, we don't have anything going on, there's 12 of us in the room, here we go. We could be worried every day of our life, but we just know God calls us to it and we're gonna be faithful. Y'all with me, church? Enough of that worry. Enough of the anxiety. Again, you might be sitting in this chair wondering why you're staying in the same spot. It's this right here. It's this. Lastly, and now we end the parable and the sermon is coming to an end. But the seed on good soil, someone say good soil, stands for those with a noble and good heart. I love it. I feel like I'm pretty noble. I don't know. A noble and good heart who hear the word. Someone say hear it, retain it, and persevere. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they produce a crop. A heart that is good soil retains and does the word. Let me just break it down. I don't, I don't have to be super tricky about this. Let's just let the word of God speak for itself. Job chapter 23. This is what I pray for you and for me. Do you know the story about Job? Job went through all sorts of trials. Job went through hell and back. But look at what he said. He retained the word. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. And I have, and this is the prayer that I pray for each and every person in this room. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread, more than my sustenance, more than my resource, more than the thing that keeps me alive. I treasure the word of God above all else. Someone say amen to that. That's retaining it. Through all the sorts of trials, he didn't turn to the left or to the right. He went for it. He went all in and kept the word in his heart, retaining it. And then James 1, that same chapter, look at what it says. It says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word, what? Planted in you. There's that analogy again. I love that he says that. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. There's the power of the word. Saves you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Someone say it with me. Do what it says. Do what it says. You want to be good soil? Anyone want to be good soil in the house? Good soil. It's very simple. You make this the main portion of your life. You retain it and you do what it says. That's like Christianity broken down in four seconds. It's really that simple, yet we just mess it up all the time. The word saves our souls. My heart, your heart is good soil. Amen, church? And so if I had to recap this whole sermon, this whole parable, let me say it this way. Do not let the enemy steal the word, stand firm through every trial, and rid yourself of worries and pleasures, and you will be good soil. Amen, church? So when you open this book up tomorrow, because I know you're going to open it up, when you open this book up tomorrow, before you open the book, pray against the enemy. Satan, I got me and God time. You get out of here. Because those phone calls are going to come up, the distractions, the worries, all of that's going to come up. Satan, get out of here. 
through this trial, if you're going through it, because we're going to go home and fix our plumbing. Jesus, we need you, and we're going to stand firm through this. And then rid yourself of worries and pleasures. If you are someone who has severe worry, anxiety, stress, fear, you got to fight that right now. Get rid of all of that. If you're captured and, and captive to a sin that has become a habit, a pleasure, we're going to take that captive, and we're going to break chains in this place. You'll be good soil. You'll be good soil. Yeah. Can I pray for y'all? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that, <laughs> thank you that you spoke to us and you reveal your mysteries to us. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it, but you would reveal your mysteries to us in such a beautiful way. Thank you for this word that brings clarity. Thank you for this word that saves this Bible that actually has the power to save my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We stand against any attack of the enemy. Any, anything that has been planted today, we stand against it. Enemy, you cannot snatch up the word that was heard today. You cannot take it. We stand with those who are in trial right now. God, I pray that if there is a need, I pray that we can link arms together knowing that it's easier to tackle it together so that we may stand firm as a community. And Jesus, I pray against worries and pleasures that we would stop allowing the things in our life to choke our maturing in you. Jesus, this is a house of good soil. Someone say good soil in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to pray for one more group of people, and then we're going to go into some announcements as we wrap up. Real quick, if y'all can bow your head. Today, if you're listening to this message, I'm here to tell you about the good news. We've been talking a lot about Jesus, but let me tell you what he did. Jesus saw a broken humanity. Just so you know, that means you and me. We were sinners, born into sin. We were born into a dark world. And Jesus, who saw us, had compassion on us. And God, who could sit upstairs, sit all by himself, and not worry about us. He said, no, I need to go and rescue my humanity, my creation. And so what he did is he sent his son a perfect sacrifice to perfect some pretty imperfect people. He sent his son to earth to live a perfect life so that you and I may be set free by the sacrifice of his own son. And so Jesus towards the end of, his, end of his ministry he never sinned, he was preaching good things, he was giving people hope healing people they brought him on trial they falsely accused him and he went to the cross and breathed his last breath but the story didn't end there they buried him and Jesus rose from the grave defeating death once and for all and so all that would call on his name if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior you will be saved here on earth and everlasting he has come that you may have life and more life here on earth and everlasting and so that's you and you need to give your life to this Jesus all you simply have to do is believe Maybe he's been speaking to your heart. Maybe there's that thing that's pulling on your gut right now. Don't ignore that. You heard the truth today that you don't have to be perfect. He's the one who made the sacrifice so that you could be made whole. If you're ready to 
turn from your old ways to repent and walk with him for the rest of your days. Today is the day. If that's you and you want to believe in Jesus, I want to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. Not in raising your hand are you saved, but it's an outward way of saying, Nick, I need this. If that's you, no one's looking around. Believers are praying for you right now. If that's you and you need to make this step of faith, go for it. One, two, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Three, does anyone need to give their life to Jesus? I see that hand. Anyone else need to give their life to Jesus? Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else want to give their life to Jesus? So good. Go ahead, you can put your hands down. If you made that decision, just say this in your heart. Jesus, I believed that you came from heaven, lived a perfect life on earth, that you died and rose again to set me free. You took all of my sin on your shoulders so that I would be made whole and right with you. I give you my life. I turn from my past and I walk with you for the rest of my days. You have my heart. You have all of me. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Lift up a shout of praise for those who made that decision today good soil yeah